organization. <laughs> let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, and I echo all the requests that have been made known. And Lord, we want to carry those home and to, to, uh, to pray in earnest. Uh, thank you that the earnest, fervent prayer of righteous men and women avails much. And uh, we want to bear one another's needs. We want to be a blessing to all that we should meet. We are the duoi of the Lord Jesus, the bondservants. We have no rights. We belong to Jesus. For us to live is Christ and to die is great gain. Thank you so much for this wonderful family that you have assembled. And where it's so encouraging, even as Cody mentioned it, it just lifts my spirit to be together, to be encouraged after a week of getting knocked around, disappointments, uh, all kinds of things that happen in a fallen world. It's so encouraging. And that we worship you and then find strength uh, and uh, in the, your presence, the Spirit of God teaching us, open our, 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 the eyes of our heart now that we might see the truth and be encouraged to go this forth this week as luminaries, as light for Jesus, even as we celebrate the real meaning of Christmas. Lord, we love you for it. Thank you now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, before I go any further, I, I did want to say two things. First of all, got a wonderful, wonderful report from Nancy and Joe Gambuzzi. As you know, Nancy started chemotherapy this week. She was uh, uh, 8 a.m. until 4 for the first uh, occasion. And uh, she took uh, six quarts. Was it six quarts? Six or eight quarts? I, I can't, can't imagine that kind of fluid. But uh, after it was all over and said, she had no reaction. None. She just was a little bit tired. That was it. And they said to her that Thursday, this passive, she didn't even have a reaction. By that day, through the whole course of this thing, they don't expect she'll have any, any physical negative reaction. So she was just ecstatic. And Joe, and they thanked the Lord for uh, prayers. We had, uh, we had a huddle two weeks ago, the last time we met with the elders and deacons, and we we prayed for them and, and just committed them to the Lord. So continue to pray that way. Second of all, if, uh, if you're like me, y'all, a lot of times you'll ask me different things on questions, on books that I recommend. And in the series that we're doing here on God in a Manger, uh, The Virgin Birth of Christ by J. Gretchen Machen. I have that up here if you want to see it. This, this is, he was the founding president of Westminster Seminary was the, uh, the final word insofar as man is concerned. I mean, God's word says it in the Bible. That's the final word. This was never answered by the liberals or the non-believer scholars. So to the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's, it's a classic. And Machen's been dead a lot of years now. So um, I think even Larry, who doesn't read books that are at least 100 years old, with, not you, not you, Galati, so uh, the version. Well, I'd uh, like to uh, continue. Uh, God in the Manger is our title, and I invite you to look at Hebrews chapter 1, and we'll try to put with post haste, not rush through the word, but give you the essence of it uh, as uh, we uh, soon are ready to leave. In Hebrews chapter 1, uh, we saw in the uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, that's Jesus, whom he, and he's going to give a sevenfold description of the, the absolute superiority of Jesus. First one, whom he appointed heir of all things. Second description, 
He uh, through whom also he, God the Father, created the world. Third, he is the radiance of the glory of God. Fourth, he is the exact imprint of his nature. Five, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Six, after making purification for sins. Seven, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. For whom did the angels ever call? Get the name Son. They didn't. Well, God in the manger. You know, we sing uh, that song that was written at Christmas time, or at least we hear it sung. Uh, Mark Lowry wrote it. Mary, did you know? Some of you really love that Christmas song. But uh, it speaks to the issue at hand here. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? She's holding that little baby. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know, oh, 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 the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect Lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. God in the manger. You know, our world is uh, filled with wonderful mysteries, isn't it? On your sheet, your handout sheet, wonderful mysteries. And I just put down a few of them so you can kind of wonder about me that because I wonder about things like this. And don't let it make you nervous. But if you stop wondering the wonder of, of life that God provided, you're almost dead. You know, the routine of life, uh, grinding. Every day is a miracle and it's wonderful. And we live in God's world, and all truth is his. And we breathe this air and enjoy his sunshine. And, and uh, for this length of time of our life, for this, whatever it is, it's in God's hands. And a world that's filled with mysteries, and most things are beyond this. I'm still trying to get my head around calculus. I can't figure out. I need help on that. Some of you, some of you have all sorts of things. You're like, it's beyond me, right? It's beyond me. Like, why do things fall down and not up? I mean, I, I wonder, you know, I think, it's, yeah, you say, well, gravity and gravitational pull and, and centrifugal force and all that. Well, right, yeah, yeah, right, right. They, you can describe it, but you can't, they, they don't know, they really don't know the essence of it. Why do they fall down, not up? I mean, there goes, it, wow. How about electricity? I still think about this. How does it flow through a wire? You know, you don't see it, but boy, I've been zapped by and put on my tail. Yeah, don't hold it. Ooh. My father used to say with a smile when he was working on electricity, come over here and hold my hand here. <laughs> Some of you don't know what it means. It goes to the last guy in the line, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't see it, but it flows. How about water? You know, did you realize that water expands when it becomes a solid, that's ice, rather than contracting like most other materials. When they go from a liquid to a solid, it contracts. 
almost all things. But water expands. That's, and thank the Lord for that, or our rivers, right, John? Our rivers would be solid. There'd be no fish in it. They'd be solid. But they expand and it floats, right? It's less dense than water. It's a mystery. And yet we, like, we don't think about it. Just give me some ice cubes and my iced tea. I'm not going to worry about that one, right? But we, how about, how about, how about, um, how about each snowflake, right? I thought we'd have snow today, but each snowflake is different from the other. Think of the mathematical possibility of that. That's 10 to whatever power, I don't even know how many zeros. Every snowflake, every crystal is different, just like every fingerprint is different. And let those kind of things blow your mind in the mysterious world, God's world that we live in. Mystery, mystery, I say to you, as the old writer, you say, mystery is the footprint of the divine. I think he's right. However, and said, in the context of mystery, the greatest mystery of all was the day that God became something he never was. Now, that in itself is a mouthful. God became something he never was. In the incarnation, the day that God added to himself, the second person of the God, a human nature and a human body. In the miraculous, the miraculous, the mystery of the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, John says it so well, uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You didn't say that about any of your kids when they were born. Yeah, we have, here's the birth announcement. Billy became flesh and he's living among us now. Well, you're stretching language trying to describe a, a, a unique thing that never happened ever and never will ever happen again, the, the day that God became flesh. Wow. Well, the manger that night in Bethlehem, not so, now so long ago, it seems, held more than a beautiful baby boy. Incidentally, all babies are beautiful. Every pastor knows if there's a baby in the congregation when preaching, most people are looking at the baby, not at the guy standing in the pulpit. And for good reason, that there's far more than a beautiful baby that night. Uh, that, uh, that, uh, that night in Bethlehem, it, uh, it held uh, God himself. And this, I say to you, is total and utter mystery. And if God didn't tell us, we'd never believe it. Never would we. Never would we. We'd all be like, I'm from Missouri. You know, the show-me state. God has showed it. He gave it to us in the only book he ever gave, and he underlined it. There we go. How about that? We started a few weeks ago. We didn't meet last week with a storm, but a sevenfold description of the sublime glory of this one born moving us. It ought to move us to personal daily worship. And we saw last time that he's the heir of all things, not the heir apparent, right? He's the, he's the heir. He's in, what an inheritance. Wow. But more than that, if that were not enough, God used him as the agent to create all things. So I see him all over, Genesis 1 and 2, when God said, let us make. It's the Lord Jesus himself speaking. Well, a few more in the short time that we have. I thought of calling maybe this message uh, the, the light, the coin, and the, uh, and the weightlifter, just to help you remember the next three glorious descriptions of this God in the manger, this one who was born that night, uh, the light, uh, uh, the coin, uh, and the weightlifter. To help you remember and think about this passage when you think this week, Tuesday night, as you gather with your family, maybe friends, and sing some songs, and read some scripture, and pray, and 
share the meaning of Christmas, that you'll remember the wonder of God in the cradle, God in the manger. Well, today, number one, Jesus is the radiance of God. He expresses the Father's glory. That's what we saw as we read the third quality there in Hebrews chapter 1. He expresses the glory of the Father. Now, this is a very hard description to try and get your, your head around. The word radiance means, of course, to shine forth. The old English is effulgence. But last time I checked, none of you even used that word in the last 10 years. Effulgence, you know, but it means to radiate or shine forth. Uh, except for his radiance on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus never emanated any glow about him, none whatsoever. And so the radiance here must have a sense of being uh, fi uh, figurative in sense. Now, an illustration helps here. Just as the rays of, uh, of, of the light are related to the sun, uh, the, and, and neither exists without the other. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever seen the sun shine without the rays? Impossible. Say, I'm worried about you, Pastor, talking like that. No, but the rays, the sun rays, are distinct and different from the sun itself. And in, in a sense, it's showing uh, another personality. The Father, in his essence and radiates the rays, that's distinctly different. You don't have rays without the sun, you don't have the sun without the rays, there's the unity, at least two out of three of the Trinity, and yet distinction, unity yet distinction, not one without the other, and it sort of describes the, uh, the relationship of the Trinity, distinct yet united. Another uh, example of this this uh, expression, if you will, or radiance of the Father might be the way uh, a word expresses a thought. You know, there's an expression, uh, if, you, if you can't express a, an idea, you're not clear in your thinking. You know, it's good to talk and get it out and sort of find your way. Sometimes it's good to say, sometimes it's good for Faithy. She's a great sounding board to me. I'll say, what about since she looks at me like, Please don't say that again, and don't tell anyone that. You know, I, but she loves me. She's like, I don't love him anymore. He's a he's crazy man, you know. But you need that sounding board to be able to say something. When she hears it, she goes like, you, you really mean that? No, I guess I don't, you know. I don't have my thoughts organized yet. And the word, when we speak a word, it's an expression of a thought. It's not the thought. It's an expression of it, and so that's sort of this radiance uh, that Jesus is to the Father. Now, another example uh, is, and I think I put down here is, yeah, is uh, a gift expresses love, right? You can give without loving. I know none of you ever do that. Oh, well, they're probably going to give me a gift. I probably need to get them a gift. Right? None of you ever do that because you're so loving and we're to love, right? And so we love and we go like, I got to find a way to express my love. So in a, in a sort of an abstract emotional way, describing what he's saying here, that Jesus expresses the glory of God, and so that's what Jesus does uh, to the Father. Well, what's it mean? The Bible tells us that no one can see the Father at any time. He's spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And uh, however, Jesus is the full manifestation of the Father. For in Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in bodily form. So what's that mean? So it means that when we listen to Jesus, we're listening to the Father. 
That's amazing. That'll change the way you read the Gospels. And to touch him is to touch God, as it were. We know these things, but we go like, we've got to blow the dust off it a little bit and let it sink into our heart afresh. That he is the expression of the creator God of the universe. And to know what God is like, look at Jesus. You see, former revelations, Hebrews tells us, of God were partial. They were incomplete at best, but Jesus shows us the Father. He is the light of the world. The light. He reveals the glory of God, his power, his sovereignty, his knowledge, his eternality. He is the light. He, he, he shows us what God the Father is like. And you know what? That's what he's doing in your life and mine. You know, if you know Christ the Lord is your Savior, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Now, it's an amazing thing. We're, we stumble around in darkness. We're lost. We're born lost, according to the Bible. Some of us are good. Some of us are better. But we're all lost. We can't merit the perfect standard of salvation. We do not have righteousness that is our own. And when God opens our heart and we come to faith, he gives us the righteousness of Jesus. Our sin is nailed to the cross. We are completely at peace with God forever. And in that moment, he begins to create in us through a new nature and the gift of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. There's the light of the gospel that emanates from your life and mine. And that means there's something very different about each one of us. We, we live our lives in our families, our neighborhoods, in our home, places where we study and, and work. And uh, even though we get bumped around, disappointed, and, and stuff happens, God takes us in the midst of that, and he, he causes us to be luminaries, reflecting the light of Jesus, the light of the Father to others. And people that may not know how we tick or why we tick, or that, they'll think, like, there's something different about that person. You ever read that? We're a peculiar people. You ever read that, Peter? We're a peculiar royal priesthood. I've met some Christians really peculiar. Have you? I don't know if you've met, but we're, we're to be the light of the world, and God sends us out uh, like sheep among wolves. That's the way it is. And he, just as he was the light and expressed the Father, that's our mission. Peter used, or Paul used a little different expression where he says, you are a letter written, an epistle. Known and read by all people. What? They see, they see something different. They see Christ in you. And there's a radiance and a beauty about it. It's beautiful. There's a radiance on the inside of, of the contents. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. And so the Lord wants you to live in a way that glorifies him. Ephesians 5.8, for you were formerly in darkness, but now if you know Jesus, you are the light, in the light in the Lord, walk as children of light. And so Jesus is the radiance of God, the expression of the Father's glory. Look at, uh, look at your uh, lessons for our life. Do something a little different today. I've, I've learned, uh, you know, I learn, I learn a lot watching you. A lot of times, time is pinched and, and, uh, uh, everyone's closing up their Bibles when I get that. that. So I thought, I'll do a little change here. We're going to change this up a little bit. The old school of preaching was, tell people what you're going to say, say it, and then tell them what you said. So I thought, with permission, and I'm not going to ask you, but we're going to do it. Uh, we're just going to do the lessons for life to show you how it applies, and then hit these two things, okay? 
uh, the other two. Uh, number one, worship ought to be uh, the theme of your whole life. Do you know that? It ought to be your, not just, hey, we come at 10 on Sunday and we worship. Yes, that's corporate worship. And when Christians live their life as a daily offer and sacrifice to God and worship to him, I'm telling you, it's dynamic then when we come together. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to see. But it means that we've got to, we've got to make sure our own hearts are right. We have to deal with our own sin daily because we sin daily. I hate to tell you that. You look so nice, but you probably sin every day. Lord, uh, show me. Lord, I repent of it. Lord, give me the power to, Lord, help me run from it. And, and, and Lord, I don't know how you can stand me. Thank you. I couldn't be any more accepted in you in the gospel. Thank you. Help me to live up according to my standing in Jesus. Every, and, as we, and so worship is to be the theme of your life daily. Your thoughts, words, action, they should be a symphony of worship and praise to the Lord uh, who came in the form of man to redeem us of our sin. Worship. That, does that describe your life? Worship. That you daily in your thought, you're bringing thoughts in the cat. You're battling sin and temptation. You fail, but God picks you up again. And he picks you up again. He picks you up again. I love that, Proverbs 24, 16. A righteous man falls seven times. I mean, boom, and he gets up. Well, it's not by our own strength, but the grace of God and the power of God in it and the gospel picks us up. Number two, stand in awe of the mystery and wonder of the glory of our God. Stand in awe of it. He is past finding out. More mysterious than the number of snow uh, flakes and fingerprints Way, way beyond that is the mystery and wonder of our God. And, and God wants us to be a completely in awe of him. I mean, he is great beyond great. There's nothing greater for you to meditate on or think about. You're going to think about something. I know a lot of uh, ladies think their men are, don't think about anything. They'll ask them, what do you think about? Oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Now, it is true a lot of times men don't really think about anything, but in course of time, you will think about something. There's some, nothing better for you than to think, focus upon him. Number three, remember Jesus is the governor of our world and of the universe. History is his story, and he brings it to his appointed end. This is not stumbling along. It's not a world of chaos. Looks like it at points. When you read the headlines, you're like, what is coming next? It's the cosmos. The cosmos is ordered and arranged, and history is his story, and it began, it has an ending and a middle. Like Aristotle says, every story has a beginning, a middle, and an ending, and history of mankind for this little period of time is the same. It's the great love story of all times, demonstrating that God loves this much that he solved the only problem, the greatest problem that men and women ever had, and he died in their place. Number four, to see Jesus is to see God. Marvel at God weeping at Lazarus' tomb. That's God weeping. And Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. 35. That's God incarnate. What does that show you about the heart of God? He's not distant and far away and, and could care less about the things that you and I struggle with. He see him there standing weeping. Even though he knew in the next moment uh, he was going to say, Lazarus, come forth. The, the, the grief and the pain and the sorrow, he connected with it with Lazarus' family. How about see him holding children? How about that? Some people say, I've heard it this way, children should be seen and not heard. 
my grandfather said things like that. My father's father, the old Dutchman, you know, like, I don't believe that. And so, uh, and so uh, here he is holding children. Well, that's God. How about groaning with compassion for the lost? How about touching the leper? This is God. This is what he is like. This is God in flesh. In five today, I'd urge you to come to Jesus and he will save you, I promise you, from your sin and receive the greatest gift ever given, the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, your life is short. The elders talked about that the other night. Going, going, and almost gone. Psalm 90, we live our life like a tale that is told. You know, I look in the mirror some days and I wonder who that is. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's going, you know. And we have two days. We have today and our final day. And that's the way we should live. Today, for me to live is Christ. Today in the final day. We ought to live with that perspective. We'll make better choices by the gospel and the power of God to do that. Now, turn it back over. I'm just going to close. Here's the, here's the flashlight. This is an underwater light. Mike, you like this. There's an underwater light. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. Now, I'm not going to shine your eye. That high-intensity light would hurt. But that's what you get. The flashlight, the light. And the second... The second thing in our text tells us he is the exact image of the essence. Who this baby in the cradle? And so I have in my hand a uh, silver dollar. Do you ever see one of these? Every now and then when these used to pass through my fingers. <laughs> this is an old one. Now, this is a very old one. I think from my father, maybe. Beautiful walking liberty. When my granddaughters come, they throw it in the pool, and they die for it now. That kind of thing, because you can see it. That is a beautiful coin. Now, that coin was struck. And that's the second thing, not only the flashlight, but the coins, that Jesus is the exact image of the essence of the Father, the ex exact imprint of his nature. That's a little different than, the, uh, than the, the radiance. It involves being the exact image of his essence, his substance. It's his person and its character. And Jesus is called the image, that exact likeness. Uh, in the coinage of money, uh, metal, is, uh, is on a flat sheet. I saw this at Denver one time. The Denver Mint, they, had, uh, they were doing uh, pennies at that point. They put the copper sheets out. They had the die in the press, and the die would squeeze down and then lift up, and the imprint uh, was made from that metal onto the die, and uh, it was a perfect re replica, and the coins would drop down, and out they went, and the rest of the copper went to the scrap. They melted down and made sheets of it again. And that's what this essence is, the coin. So when you look at a coin, when you look at that, I want you to think that, wait a minute, that coin, that image there is not the die. It's not the die, but it's the exact essence of it. If there's a flaw in the die, guess what? There's a flaw in this. Some of, uh, some of you collect coins, and you know occasionally uh, there's a two-headed coin, and they messed, up, they messed up somehow, and it got in circulation, and you got it, and you're keeping it. That thing is rare, and it's valuable, and it, it got goofed up in the production. This, this image of this walking liberty with the rising sun and the date on is an exact replica of the die. Though we don't see the die, we see this. And that's what Jesus is in reflecting the essence of the character of God the Father. He is the image of it. 
In this, he displayed God's love, his grace, his compassion. To know God is to know, to know Jesus is to know God the Father. Well, if you know Jesus as Savior, uh, you are God's letter, as I already said. And I ask the question, do people see Jesus in you? They should. They ought. If you love the Lord, it ought to radiate from your life. And it's a stirring up daily because the tendency, even of our regenerate sinful hearts, is downward. Daily to stir our hearts up in the love of Christ so that people see the love of Jesus. And I ask, do they see his love in you? Do they see his kindness by his grace? It is God that does it in you and I through his power, not us. We're not mustering it up. It's because we love the Lord with all our heart. His love flows through us, and we can't help but loving others. It's 1 John 2, it's the great measure of whether you're saved or not, is that you love your brother and you love your enemy and, and so on. And so love Kindness, grace, joy, this is what all others ought to see in you. Now, we fail at it, we seek forgiveness, and God picks us up again. But they should see this. And so I ask, are you bitter? It's a lot of Christians, I'm bitter here. This world is bad, getting worse, you know. It's bad. Look what happened to that dear brother down in Louisiana who took a stand there for the gospel's sake and the word of God and uh, in the out on A&E. And, uh, and so oh, that's how bad it is. It's getting bad. It's getting worse, getting worse. Incidentally, so pray for that. I think it's an important thing that we pray for principles and free speech America as well and, uh, and pray for that family that, that the end result would be that God would receive glory even from that craziness. And I don't follow it that much. My son David does. He, he's all excited about it and and put things on Facebook and said, Dad, you got to preach a sermon on tomorrow. I said, well, I already have a sermon for tomorrow. You know, like, <laughs> so uh, he said, well, have people pray. So there you go. And so he's going to ask me, I, and, I, and I did tell, I did mention that right and so on. Well, if you're bitter, you're angry, sour on life, you have every reason to be. It's a hardful life. It's difficult. But God takes us and he changes us. Do you have no joy? Read Philippians. Paul wrote that from jail. Rejoice in the Lord again. Joy ought to be the mark. That's what God does in your life and mine. That's what Jesus says. He's the essence, the exact image of the Father. Well, I think we'll draw the line here at this point. And we'll come back next time. We'll look at the last three next Sunday that he sustains all things and what that means. The flashlight, the light, and the coin. And the weightlifter, we'll look at that next time. Let's, uh, let's, let's end a little differently today. Can we do that? Thank you for bringing in all those wonderful treats. We appreciate that. And the beautiful music, the ladies, John, and our, our beautiful Martha. Thank you. And I trust that you'll have a wonderful Christmas week. And uh, pray for us as we're traveling and others that are traveling. There, there are a number that said to me that there'd be a way today and uh, at family and friends in other places and pray for them as well. Let's, uh, why don't we stand and just, if you could stand, let's just form a circle, hold hands, and we'll dismiss with prayer. Shall we do that?
lawyer and we'll close it. Yeah. Okay. All right. And we're going to ask, where's Marcus? Mark. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you.